Welcome to a special weekend edition of The Road to Reality where we would like to take special time on this broadcast to bring you an update on the effects of the COVID-19 crisis in Asia and the work GFA is doing there. The COVID-19 pandemic sweeping the globe is bringing death and destruction, yet India and other parts of South Asia are just now at the start of what promises to be a nightmare. Limited medical resources can be overwhelmed, but the most immediate danger for millions will be the prospect of starvation. GFA and their field partners have entered into all-out crisis response mode to immediately help the most destitute. The beggars who now have no way of receiving alms, the daily laborers without jobs, people living on the street, and anyone else in need. GFA-supported workers were on the ground when India's lockdown began in late March, and they began working with local governments to provide aid immediately. With a wide reach of thousands of congregations and fellowship groups spread throughout South Asia, GFA-supported workers are in a unique position to provide aid where others cannot. Please join us in this long-term effort as we seek to help millions who are affected. Find out how at roadtoreality.org. Throughout our program today, we'll give you information about supporting this crucial GFA outreach. And now, here's our teacher, K.P. Yohannan. You know, soldiers are always duty calls. Medical doctors who are good doctors, 24 hours they got something hanging on to them. Anytime, day and night, a call comes, he can't say, sorry, I can't do, I'm sleeping. No, he had to get up and go. So some of our lives are like that, and I have no regret. You know, and I'm happy for where we are. And I think this is an obvious, obvious truth. Discouragement is, without any doubt, if not the most potent, powerful, sinister, invasive weapon the enemy can use to slow us down, to stop us, and if possible, to destroy us. So I'm here to ask you a question. Is anyone here that never faced discouragement? all hands will go up. Are you faced with some form of discouragement right now? Almost all hands will go up. I think I was 19 or barely 20. I was enlisted to be on MV Logos, which is the Operation Mobilization's first ocean-going ship that had, I don't know, six or 700 people on it. And I was one of the maybe 40, 50 Indians recruited for specialized training in leadership. So our life would be on the ship for the next six months, will take us to Gulf nations, Indonesia, and various places. I've never been on a ship in my life, especially a smaller ship that carries less than 500 people. Look like some women who get pregnant and they're throwing up every morning, three hours. But every day was a life of throwing up. It was miserable. But then we had a leader over us who was a six foot, three inches tall American. His background, he was studying in the university here in the United States somewhere, and he was the deep top brain. His IQ was way beyond his professors or anybody there. But in the second year of his university, he quit university after reading True Discipleship. And he decided to give up 
everything for the sake of serving Christ to reach the lost world. And he was an extremist. And so he looked at young people like us. I don't think he understood much about I'd never been on a ship, never ate worms and cockroaches and on all the stuff they were serving. But I think he could have been the best military officer. No mercy. And our life was around the clock. It was not eight hours, but it was 18 hours. We were in Indonesia, and somehow in my own private world, I came to the place where I was at the lowest place you can ever go down to in my life. And I looked around and looked forward. All I could see is it's all hopeless. It was late in the night, early morning hours. I was on the front upper deck of the ship and I couldn't see any hope. My mother prayed three and a half years every Friday fasting that one of her six sons will commit himself to serve God. So God up in heaven had all the power in the world to rearrange circumstances and change the leader's mind and beat him up or do something to save me. But he didn't do any of those things. I was the one in despair. And if you happen to read those poems I wrote, mostly on toilet paper. There's one poem that actually talks about that experience. But what helped me actually was in the silent of the night, no human being around me. It was one glance I took, lifting my head to the heavens. Strange enough, I saw stars. And the rest of the story, you can read later. But then, a tiny headache that you deal with, or the doctor says, I don't know, we need further tests. There is something suspicious about this. Becomes more significant, overpowering, emotionally tasking, draining than the earthquake in Japan that will kill 100,000 people within a few hours. But we forget, not deliberately, but that's the way life is. That no one is exempt from having to deal with the attack of the enemy using the weapon of discouragement. And godly suffer from it. Next to Bible, maybe the most popular book, a classic, is Pilgrim Progress. It's a godly man who stood against everything of the world and Satan, family, everything, only for the sake of God. But he would end up in prison. But then he will write this classic, Sitting in Prison, the book Pilgrim Progress. In it, you will find... A godly man, a righteous man who only do the right thing, who left everything in the world. Sin, fashions, worldliness, attachment, everything. But then he end up in the mire of depression and discouragement. Now if you are looking for a Bible verse saying, you've been talking so many things, is there anything in the Bible you can talk about? All right. He got it. Psalm 42, verse 5. And it simply 
has one simple question. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disappointed within me? Hope in God, for I shall appraise him for the help of his countenance. So here is a conversation with himself. It is like you get out of your body and talk to yourself. So where do we face discouragement? You know, when I do radio broadcasts and TV programs, I ask the question, why do people come in suicide? And I pause. Because they're poor, less educated, they're sick. No, if you study, you'll be surprised. How come a psychiatrist commit suicide? How come medical doctors commit suicide? How come multimillionaires end their life? How come world-renowned, the most beautiful movie star commit suicide and leave a suicide note on the shores of Florida? You ever thought about that? That kind of tells us our mental faculty, which is known as the soul, with our reasons and emotions and our logic, and that which makes us somehow figure out a reason to live. And we are constantly faced with struggles. And psalmist had to do the same thing. You can now study the life of Moses. You can study the life of Elijah. You can study the life of Jonah. You can read about David. You can read about Jeremiah. All these people, it is in the Bible. One way or another said, I just want to die. It is enough. I can't handle it anymore. Now, take people like Moses, just for the sake of maybe a comfort. He was not a dumb person. He had, in today's language, about 20,000 PhDs on every subject. And then he was physically very well built. History or tradition tells he was the number one colonel, the army, the leader, next to the pharaoh, who won every war there was to win. And he had, was well trained in all the arts. And then too, he was not struggling to communicate. No, he was a great orator, Book of Acts says. And he could be, without any doubt, the next king the president of the most powerful nation on planet Earth. What more do you want? You read Numbers 11 and passages like that. He says, God, whatever you say, you don't understand me. I can't deal with it. It's better I die. Translate that, I'm going to end my life. There are 7,000 people who do not follow you, God. I'm the only one. And you betrayed me. And you don't support me. No one is with me. It is enough, God. I want to end it all. That is words of Elijah. Jonah didn't want to do that thing, but God made him do it. I mean, look at this God. The poor fellow wanted to escape. And he did what was reasonable, I think. All his people were brutally murdered and killed. Now he must go and tell these wicked sinners... God is going to judge you, and in the end, 
through all the agony he does, in the end, God is not keeping his promise. So in the end, he gets mad. He says, it is good enough. I'm, I'm done with you. I just want to die. And you read the book of Jonah, it's a sad thing. There's no resolution. God talks to him. He talks, and nobody finds any answer. So you think because you gave your life to serve God and one in a million call you responded to that you and I will not face discouragement, problems. I know you're saying, well, I'm glad you're saying it because I'm discouraged. Welcome to the company. That is K.P. Yohannan with the message Overcoming Discouragement. We'll return to this topic shortly, but first, an update about the work of GFA in Asia during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here is GFA Vice President Danny Yohannan with these words about the reality of needs in Asia. The reality is, for many of us, it has kind of brought us down to the same level where uh, what is most important is our basic needs. Um, and not all the entertainment and not all the things that we have concerned ourselves for many, many years, which really have no uh, bearing or relevance on the reality of life or eternity. And I think when you boil it down to that understanding, that is the reality of many people who live in the villages and slums. They are, they are barely just making it, trying to get by where their next meal will come from. And so they live, they literally live day by day, uh, just struggling through life. And so what's, what's most concerning is not the living conditions. Oh, they live in slums. Oh, there's sewage running down the street. You know, oh, they're so poor. They only make a certain amount of money. It is that on top of the, you know, dire situation of just trying to survive merely through life, you have this helplessness and this hopelessness of having no purpose in life, not knowing that there's a Savior that loves you. I mean, we just celebrated Holy Week, and we just celebrated Easter, and, you know, half the world doesn't even know that exists. They don't know what Easter is. They don't know what Christmas is. They don't know who Jesus is. We'll hear more from Danny Yohannan at the conclusion of our message. So let's return to our teaching now, Overcoming Discouragement on the Road to Reality. What are some of the reasons for our being discouraged? Reasons for discouragement. First of all, it is inability to understand God's providence. Why? You see, God looks down. Time is only a tiny span where events happen within eternity past, eternity future. It is like an ant crawling from here to here. All the ant can see is just a few inches away. But I can see from the beginning till end. And so one of our problems is when we deal with struggles and problems and questions without any answers, especially, especially when we get in trouble and suffer, having obeyed God, and we say, this just don't make sense. Why? We are made of logic. Two plus two is four. But here, I obeyed God. Now I'm in a horrible situation. The more I explain myself, the more trouble I get into. 
It just makes no sense. And Job is a classic example. He just couldn't figure this out having done everything right. In God himself said, the righteous man, the most righteous man on earth. And Job 3.1, he is told, just curse God and die. And he will say, cursed be the day I was born. In Psalm 73, a godly, upright man who refused to be worldly, all alone journey with God. Let everybody do what they want to do. I just don't want to be like them. But a day came, somehow slowly, like a tiny leak in the bottom of the ocean, into the ship, began to sweep in. And he says in verse 13, Psalm 73, Surely in vain, for nothing I have kept my heart pure. In vain I wash my hands in innocent. He looked around and saw everything. Some of your families, members, preachers, Facebook, email, companions and stuff. And by the time you read through their books and listen to your friends, all of a sudden you are saying, this don't add up. So possibly I made the wrong decision. I did everything I know, but my situation, I don't have enough support. My health is bad. I never had a headache until I came here. And uh, look like no matter what I do, I can't see what's going on. And I pray God seems to be silent and nobody understands anything. And look like I'm trying to prove my life worth something, but it don't work. And maybe the best thing is I do something else. And I have gone through this experience, believe it or not. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. Jeremiah says, Oh Lord, you have deceived me. Have you ever said that to God? God, you are crazy. This is not fair. You tricked me. You deceived me. 20 years, God, I served you faithfully. But all I get is rejection, misunderstanding, and scorning, and nobody cares. And you keep telling me when I'm with you, go and talk this, do this, do this. I'm doing that. But then, where are you? Don't you have all the power in the world to change all these people or kill them or do something? At least one time to tell them that I am the right guy. But you are silent. What are you doing to me? You know, we are all clever people. At least we pretend very well, all of us. We don't want people to think that we are agnostic or there are times we even question everything that we believed in because we are afraid to get rejected. But in the Bible, there are plenty of people like Jeremiah and Jonah and a whole bunch of others and Moses and Elijah and Thomas and others. He said, God, I don't understand. I, this, is, this is really just don't make sense anymore. Why are you deceiving me? I'm tired of life. And this is because we just don't understand the large picture. We are not given the ability to grasp all the picture. How many people I counseled? You know, this is just to make my point clear. One of my favorite subjects in college was psychology and counseling. And how many people I counseled? Husbands who will say, but you don't understand. I absolutely believed through dreams, this, that, this was the girl I must marry. But I'm in hell. The girl says, I knew for sure. 
Everybody believed this was God's will. I married him, and I want to kill myself. Am I making these stories up? No. And so you did what you thought the right thing to do, but now you end up believing all your prayers and all your feelings, all your Bible verses, all now has no meaning. You're confused. You were told to give your tithes and your offerings faithfully to God, and God will be faithful to you. And you say, I did that faithfully, but I don't know what to do. I want to buy a few hot dogs and a few hamburgers, but all my faithfulness just don't seem to work. I did not know anyone walked on earth who represent God and his life than Apostle Paul in his earthen vessel. And would you please read 2 Corinthians sometime? Would you? And read it not to preach and teach other people. You read it to read a personal, intimate, private diary of a man who was a millionaire, who was extremely powerful political leader, who was perfect and righteous in his deeds and conscience. And why he would go through what you read? One place he says, I almost had a mental breakdown. I just didn't know what I'm going to do. Where is God? Christianity has become such a hopeless religion because we interpret Christianity and following Christ with man's teachings and illusions, especially in American or Western culture. And so God is someone we interpret what he's supposed to be, and Christ is someone we interpret how he must be, and we interpret our life, what is supposed to be, based on our beliefs. But that is not the ancient faith. This is the reason why sometimes I am more than angry on the inside when I talk about these phony plastic preachers or all these nutcases. They are young and arrogant and immature. They have no clue about the journey people of God made throughout the years of human history. And that's the reason sometimes I warn you people not to be persuaded by all this phoniness going around because we are in a spiritual warfare. This is not a joke. With those words, we bring to a close our time of teaching on the road to reality. We have reserved time for another update from GFA Vice President Danny Yohannan about the situation in Asia in light of the COVID crisis. On top of all the suffering and difficulties, you know, each of these countries are trying to make the best decisions they can with what they what they got. And, uh, you know, places like India, you know, I applaud Prime Minister Modi for his efforts to really curb this, this incredible, um, you know, enemy of, of humanity, which, you know, people are either over-exaggerating it or they're under-exaggerating it. Mm-hmm. And the reality is it's something that is extremely contagious. I was talking to uh, my brother-in-law, who's a doctor, and I know people compare this to the normal common flu. And granted, flu kills a lot of people every single year globally. Um, so does malaria. Malaria is one of the largest, you know, uh, killers every single year. Mm-hmm. And we have to deal with some of those things um, ourselves. But this is the reality. 
is many places in Asia never deal with flu. You can find out more about what GFA is doing in Asia right now and how you can help. Listeners in the U.S. should call 866-946-2742. In Canada, call 888-946-2742 to find out what GFA is doing in Asia to assist during this COVID-19 crisis in Asia. The website for our Canadian friends is roadtoreality.ca. For those in the U.S., go to roadtoreality.org. Thank you for joining us today on The Road to Reality. This program is presented by GFA. GFA.